Hello, welcome back to another episode of Broken Record. My name is Ellie, I'm your host, and today we are going to be talking about a whole bunch of things, but I firstly want to start off talking with the about the Grammys. Um, they were this past weekend, and they were super cool. Um, I loved the performances that happened. I think Olivia Rodrigo, Billie Eilish, Lil Nas X, and Brandi Carlisle definitely had very um, memorable performances that stuck out to me. Um, Olivia Rodrigo, this was, she first performed on television in, I think, 2021 at the Brits. I might be wrong. I, I think her first performance was at the Brits last year, but I'm not 100% sure. And it it's very cool to hear her voice progress because it's definitely a different thing singing live than it is like being able to take multiple takes. And so it, it was it was you could hear how much her voice has grown and the strength that she's acquired in performing live and so I thought she did a really good job she also had a really cool set she started off in like a she sang driver's license she started off in a car and then she got out of the car and then she just was like in a street it was really cool everyone had really cool sets um Lil Nas X's set was really cool he had like it was like a it was like a statue of a head of his head, but like 50 feet tall. I don't know. It's kind of, I, I don't know how to explain it well, but it was really cool. I All I could think about during like these performances was like how quickly they had to like change the sets and how hard that must be because everyone kind of had like elaborate sets that like probably wouldn't be easy to change in like a commercial break or something. So yeah. Brandi Carlisle was a super good performance. She was introduced by Joni Mitchell, which is super cool because Joni Mitchell hasn't done like a public appearance in a while. And she was really great. She sang a song at the piano. I forget what it's called and I feel really bad, but she was great. She, I loved her little um, suit jacket blazer i'm not i'm not sure the correct terminology but she had a really cool jacket on that was like bedazzled and it was super cool billy eilish was such a great performance she sang happier than ever and it was so cool it was very much like the music video for happier than ever where she started inside a house except the house was upside down this time which is weird but cool and she was in like a puddle of water and then she during the changing of like rhythm and beats and stuff like the separation between the two songs in one she got on top of the house which is really on the bottom but she she got on top of the house and she like rocked out and sang and it was super cool it was a very good performance and there's a part of the song at the end where it's like she doesn't sing anything it's just like guitar and drums and it was so cool watching her and Phineas just like dance to that it was really cool it made me very happy and something also very cool and sad that happened was Billy wore a t-shirt with Taylor Hawkins face on it and Taylor Hawkins is the drummer for the Foo Fighters and he unfortunately passed away this past week I believe it might have been two weeks ago but she decided to wear a t-shirt with his face on it to kind of honor him and like she dedicated her performance to him and I thought that was really cool because they had a section of the Grammys where they like honored um everyone in the music industry who had passed away and I thought it was really cool that like Billy took like that extra step to honor Taylor which is cool um I actually saw Taylor and Foo Fighters perform a while ago I think in October maybe but yeah they were super good and I was very impressed by them Taylor sang a, uh, a Queen song which was super cool and yeah I loved it so on to the actual awards um Taylor Hawkins and Foo Fighters both um 
all won a couple Grammys. I think they won three. Um, I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, other than that, ABBA got their first nomination ever for a Grammy for Record of the Year for I Still Have Faith in You, which is super awesome. I feel like ABBA would have had more Grammy nominations, but it's okay. At least they had this one. And yeah, Olivia Rodrigo got, she had seven nominations and she won three categories. She won Best New Artist, Best Solo Performance for Driver's License, and Best Pop Vocal Album for Sour. And so... I feel like those are all very well deserved. She's an amazing artist. She's very talented. The Billie Eilish didn't win anything this year, which I think is so random because she like the past four years, not four years, the past two years, she's been like notorious for like winning all the Grammys. We're not all the Grammys, but like winning majority of her nominations. And so I thought it was very interesting to see that, that she didn't win any of hers. Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic won Record of the Year and Song of the Year. And so Record of the Year and Song of the Year, I always got confused about it. I never knew the difference. And basically Record of the Year goes to like everyone involved in uh, the recording of the song. So like the artists, producers, engineers, all that. And then Song of the Year, that just goes to the songwriters. So like if Olivia wrote Driver's License, she would win a Grammy for song of the year. But if Olivia won um, record of the year for driver's license, it would go to Olivia and her producer and her engineer and the drum player and everyone involved. So yeah, I feel like that's cool. It's a, I feel like it's a nice way to recognize everyone because it's a lot of the times it's just the person with their name attached to the song that gets the recognition but there's a lot of people that go into making a song so it was very cool and yeah um also next thing i want to talk about is album of the year album of the year went to we are which is the album by john baptiste and it was very interesting because i feel like a lot of people didn't know this album or hadn't heard it before and they were expecting olivia rodrigo to win with sour or billy eilish to win with happier than ever or taylor swift to win with other evermore and so i thought it was very interesting it was it was very it was a shock when john baptiste won for we are but not and i hadn't listened to the album and i unfortunately still haven't but i'm looking forward to it but i have heard um his song called freedom which won best music video i believe and it's very good it was it's 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 got like a gospel on some of it and it's very interesting to listen to it's very cool best pop duo performance went to doja cat and megan the stallion for kiss me more and i loved their acceptance speech because one doja cat was in the bathroom in the middle of like getting the grammy like when the um when they were announcing the award doja cat was in the bathroom so she like had to run on stage and and like just do an acceptance speech on the spot which i thought was funny and also doja cat started crying during her acceptance speech which i thought was adorable because doja cat if you've seen her like online presence she's very much sarcastic and makes jokes and um just is like lighthearted but she started crying and so I thought that I, I, I feel like that was very cool and we could tell that it meant a lot to her um she said that she like tries not to make things a big deal like tries not to overreact to things and then she said but this is a big deal like it was so cute I uh, I was very happy for her it was her first Grammy that's why she started crying but it was very really good because she was also nominated for best new artist last year and I think 
I feel like she had another um, nomination, but I forget. And yeah, that's all, that's all I want to talk about with the Grammys. Next, Harry Styles. Harry Styles has made some announcements in the past couple weeks. So Harry Styles announced that his new album, Harry's House, is coming out on May 20th. It has 13 songs, no collaborations, and I'm so excited. I'm so, so, so excited. Harry Styles released uh, the first single and music video for this album on April 1st. It's called As It Was, and it is an outstanding song. It's so, so good. I love it so much. It reminds me, like, there's synth in it, and it reminds me of the 80s, and it's fun. I'm I'm so excited to see what the future folds for Harry, because I feel like this album is just going to be incredible, and I'm excited to hear it, and I'm excited to see it performed live, hopefully. I think that'll be awesome. Yeah, after this, I'm going to play an interview that I did with Terry Morgan, who is the, who is a music manager in Seattle, Washington, and I got to talk to him for a little bit, and so I thought I would play the interview. So here is that. What's up, 88.9 The Bridge? I'm Ellie Sadler, and I'm here interviewing Terry Morgan. Terry Morgan got his Bachelor's of Arts degree in Ethnomusicology and his Master's in Systematic Musicology at the University of Washington. He's the CEO and owner of Modern Enterprises, a company founded in 1979 that is the most successful minority-owned event production company in Washington State. His company provides talent, technical, and production services to help create the best event they can. They host many celebrations, including concerts, events, and galas. Some of their clients include Nordstrom, Microsoft, the Museum of Flight, and Seattle Children's Hospital. Thank you for joining me today, Terry. How are you? I'm doing fine, Ellie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so how did you decide to enter the business side of the entertainment industry instead of pursuing like a strictly performance career? It just kind of happened naturally. I mean, I've been a p- p- player since I was 13 and uh, I grew up on Whidbey Island. So I kind of just put my own bands together and started booking my own bands, but found out it was just as easy to book other people's bands <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Once I had the relationship with the other schools, I could say, hey, there's this band from Seattle. You want to book them? So I just was bold and started making phone calls. Awesome. And, <laughs> and then, so what inspired you to create Modern Enterprises? Well, I was doing, I, I never, just to correct a little bit of my bio, I didn't finish my master's. I was like two quarters away and uh, from being done. And I just got tired of academia mm-hmm. after being in school for like, six years or longer yes. and uh, it, I had a friend named uh, James Hughes who was an electronic musician and he had a buddy that he was playing with named Roland Barker and he was starting a new band called the Blackouts and they were a really really progressive uh, art rock band punk rock band basically uh, and I liked them and so I started managing them and it kind of just drew me away from academia into the punk rock world and we ended up joining up partnerships with uh, three other guys, Mike Vraney, Jim Lightfoot, and Carlos Ganduzzi. And we formed Modern Productions at the time and took over the Showbox Theater. Uh, at the time, it was a bingo parlor called the Talmatora. And we would go in there on the weekends and put on punk shows. So the first band we did was a group called Magazine, which featured Howard DeVoto from the Buzzcocks. And uh, the Blackouts were the opening act. And from there, we just started booking more 
punk bands from the Northwest, everything from the West Coast, uh, from everything from the Dead Kennedys to, uh, oh, who else? Uh, Black Flag. Uh, uh, just a whole ton of stuff from the States, uh, including the Ramones, the Iggy Pop, and then all the English stuff, too. <laughs> Uh, we were we were the uh, the first American stop for a lot of the British bands who would fly from London to Vancouver and then end up coming to Seattle. And so we had the Police, uh, Squeeze uh, from Australia, obviously, uh, XTC, Gang of Four, PIL, the Specials, the Selector, uh, Dire Straits. It was just on and on and on. We just Every week we had a different band from England, and it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, like, how did you get in contact with all these bands? Because I'm sure it wasn't easy. Well, a lot of it was just um, Mike Verney and Jim Lightfoot. Uh, Jim owned a shop downtown on First, no, on Second and Pike, basically, uh, called Time Travelers, and it was a comic book shop that sold punk rock records. And so, through those record companies. We develop relationships with the record companies and then with the bands. And so we would call the bands directly, say, "Hey, you want to come to Seattle?" And say, "Sure, we love to come up there." So that's awesome. It was, it was totally a do-it-yourself kind of business at the time. Yeah. And so, do you have any like events or concerts or anything that have like stuck out to you the most? That like you're the most proud of or anything? Well, the first time when the, when the police played the showbox was pretty special because sure. the the, uh, the specials were the opening <laughs> act, great ska band from England, and uh, the whole thing was really kind of crazy because uh, it's nobody really believed that this alternative music was going to be anything, so we couldn't get any press. We barely got any airplay. I think KISW was the only station that was playing the police for us, but everybody else was like, "Uh, <laughs> music, yeah, who likes that?" <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, when the police came, we kind of made history. People like, okay, this this music is here. This is this is gonna be big. It's growing. And then the next time we brought them into town, we put them at the Paramount. So it jumped that that fast. And XTC was the opening act on that. So that was a really special show. I mean, there's been so many great ones. James Brown in the Showbox was pretty amazing. I bet. Uh, that, that, that was just a big party. And I went on to have a long time relationship with James over the years. And we last time we worked together uh, we were doing uh, Halloween shows at the Paramount big James Brown Halloween parties which were like the funnest party you could ever imagine <laughs> because it was just totally danced and costume and just having a great time and then across the street at the uh, Camlin Hotel used to be the Cloud Room which was a, 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 a cocktail lounge up on top you used to have a piano player just playing a piano bar well the James James's band would always usually stay at the Camlin and instead of just going out on the, in the, on the town, they'd get bored, so they'd just go up to the cloud room and jam. And it was funky, it was fun, and people would like hear, oh, James Brown Band's playing at the Camlet. And one time I remember it got so crowded they had to turn the elevator off. Oh, they no. Let, they stopped letting people up there. So that was a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That sounds very eventful and like something you would want to experience. Oh, yeah. So how do you decide like which bands to suggest opening for people or like how do you pair the bands together you know it's just kind of in my head you know if, if there's a band that i think deserves the opportunity to be seen in front of a large crowd or if uh, if it's a band i manage <laughs> they, have an, they have an advantage there <laughs> but you know I, I like to see opportunity you know I, if i didn't ever get the opportunity to do the things that i've done i would not 
be where I am now. Yeah. And so offering other people the uh, that chance is 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 kind of fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the new uh, the new reaction, you know, mm-hmm. when you when you uh, put a band in front of an audience that's not expecting something really unique and they're totally blown away, that gives you like the sense of accomplishment that you've done something good. Yeah. Um, and you're also the director for Boralis Festival of Light. Can you give us a quick overview of what this company is and how it inter- interacts with the Seattle music, like, entertainment yeah. scene? So Borealis is a light festival. And so we work with light artists and musicians to create really unique kind of large-scale experiences. Uh, most of the work is animated, other than the light art installations, which are actual art creations. And we held the first festival in 2018 at South Lake Union, at uh, South Lake Union Park. And nobody really knew what it was going to do here. And I had an idea that it was going to be big because my, my partners are based in Budapest, Hungary, and they're involved with light festivals all over the world. So we knew that we, we, we had the right combination. But when we kicked things off, we had no idea that we'd do 120,000 people our first year. And everybody was kind of just shocked and surprised, but overwhelmed, but that that it turned out so great. And the quality of the work was so good. Mm -hmm. So we continue on doing uh, things in the digital world. Uh, Two years ago, I did the New Year's for the Needle. Um, uh, Not this year, but the past year. And uh, that kind of set records as far as uh, viewership for King TV uh, for New Year's. And uh, what everyone was shocked about was the afterlife. Uh, the video online has over a million, 1.1 million uh, uh, views, and it jumped off into the rest of the social media like wildfire. And within a week, it had 1.1 billion uh, digital uh, impressions, which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's super cool. <laughs> um, and so I just have one more question for you. And I know you mentioned earlier that you didn't really like the or you grew tired of the academic scene but do you think it in any way like benefited you in leading companies like borealis and modern enterprises oh yeah yeah i mean if if i i mean i feel very fortunate to have the education that i have and i mean going back to high school i had what i think was very very superior uh teachers mm-hmm. uh, my physics teacher uh, his name was Tom Graff. His father, his grandfather was, um, was were, they were German, but he was Graff of Graff Zeppelins. I don't know if you know, know anything about Zeppelins, but mm-hmm. you know, Zeppelins were big inflatable flying machines. And so he would talk about the Zeppelin industry and I was like, whoa, this is really, really cool. But he was totally into being uh, you know, an environmentalist and conservationist. So that kind of gave me inspiration. Plus my music instructors, uh, Ed Bridges and Vernon Greenstreet were, were really world-class uh, musicians on their own, and what they passed along to, to me and others was, you know, pretty amazing. Uh, college was great because I just studied what I wanted to study and just I kind of absorbed all the cultures uh, possible. Like you say, I did my work in ethnomusicology and, and history of jazz, so I just became a sponge for, for information. And also, that's where I kind of started in my uh, my visual work. I studied uh, video art with Bill Ritchie and uh, we used to do um, 
abstract electronic art on, for television, which is all way before MTV. So if I had never got that exposure from school, I would have never developed a project like Borealis. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on here today and talking to us. This was super cool, super informational, informational, and I'm very glad we got to talk. Yeah, and check out our website, the, mm -hmm. the Borealis Festival of Light site. You'll see a lot of the work that we presented in 2018. Uh, plus, you'll see uh, the, uh, the One World, One Heart, which was a big piece that we co-presented with our associates out of the IMAP Festival in Bucharest, Romania. And it was all artists doing work towards making statements about COVID and, and how to uh, survive COVID. And this last week, we unveiled a new piece called Enlightenment. Uh, it's Artists United uh, for Peace, which uh, we debuted at the Seattle Art Museum, the Asian Art Museum. And it actually surprised us all by, we had over, we started out with 30 cities around the world mm -hmm. that were going to show the piece, and now it's up over 65 cities have been, been involved, and more and more get involved all the time. So uh, we'll be posting uh, on Facebook where we're going to show it again, but until this war is over, we're going to stay visible. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I hope you like this episode and I hope you like this interview. I'm Ellie. I'm the host of Broken Record, which is on 88.9 The Bridge every Tuesday at 6. And if you can't make it every Tuesday at 6, that's okay. You can go on a podcast streaming platform and search up KMIH Broken Record and you'll find me in all previous episodes. And yeah. Thank you so much for listening to 88.9 The Bridge.